Amen. How many of you excited today? Well, two of you are anyway. I can count on Hattie. I want to talk to you this morning about the importance of the Holy Spirit. How many know the Holy Spirit is important? Amen. Amen. He is so important. There are denominations that really don't even talk about the Holy Spirit, but uh, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Word. As a matter of fact, I went to a seminary when I was 18 years old. I went to a seminary to visit, and uh, my pastor told me they hadn't even talked about the Holy Spirit in 25 years in that place. A third of the Trinity, and they hadn't even talked about Him. He said, so don't be surprised, because my daddy had already started talking uh, about the Holy Spirit and about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, it, it's, a, it's just a, a basic revelation and understanding that the Holy Spirit is a person. And if He's a person, then He's got character and He's got qualities that a person has. Now, He's a person like God the Father is a person. He's a person like Jesus is a person. And He's the Holy Spirit, which means that He has some characteristics outside the limitations of a human body. You know that. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He, he's there. He's here to do a work inside of us and outside of us. And so He is God. And He has a personality and He has a will. 1 Corinthians 3.16 and then 6.19 said, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and, who, and you are not your own? Look what he says about that. He says, our position in Christ is relative to the position of the Holy Spirit abiding within us. You see, if the Holy Spirit does not abide in you, then you're not saved. If He's not taken residency in your life, then He's not saved. I tell people all the time, you can read the Word of God all you want to, and it's just good literature. But it takes the Holy Spirit to bring revelation, knowledge, and understanding. And he said, I'm going to make room in the temple that's given to me. Now, this is the problem. It's kind of like that little stick I had in my shoe. How I many you know we got some walled off areas? It, it, they're like tumors in our body that prohibit the Holy Spirit to going into every area of our life. We don't want to release some of it. A lot of it's pride. You know, sometimes you get a big wall of pride, and when you get a big wall of pride, the Holy Spirit is having tr has trouble pushing that out of the way because He wants you to release your pride. And then we got on this other side, we got fear. You know, we got fear inside of us, and those fears sometimes grow larger and larger and larger. I like what Rachel said. One of the, one of the, I got taught one of the same lessons. The Lord said, if you ever run away from the devil, he'll beat you to death. You better run towards him. You better run towards those things that you fear, not away from the things that you fear. Now, that's excluding one of those gray grizzly bears. You better run like all get out from him. But anyway, I'm talking about the, the basic fears, though. So Jesus... And the Holy Spirit came to do one thing, is glorify God. Now, if you're the place of residence of the Holy Spirit, then just by that understanding, you realize that when you got saved, you didn't get saved so that you could have everything good and easy and, and God could serve you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're to serve God. Somehow we got this thing backwards. We got, we got God mixed up with Santa Claus. And you see, Santa Claus doesn't have the position of Lord in my life. I don't know about you. He's, he's subject to me. Sometimes that's the way we want God to be. We want God to be subject to us. We want to be able to tell God what we want God to do. And, and because of our fears and because of our prides and because of the way that we've kind of, kind of diminished the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us, 
what happens is we begin to formulate ideas about who God is other than what the Holy Spirit is giving us. You see, you want revelations from the Father and from the Son. You're not going to get a revelation from the Father and the Son. The only one you're going to get a revelation from is the Holy Ghost. Because you see, He's the part of the Trinity. He's the part of the Godhead that's in the earth today. Now, I'm separating them for, for, the, uh, for the reason of teaching. We understand that they are three separate but one. Now, how that works, I don't know. But there's a lot of stuff about God I don't know and I don't understand completely. He just tells me that's what He does. And so I believe that's who He is and what He does. So I believe that the Holy Spirit is fully God, just like God the Father is fully God, just like Jesus Christ is fully God. I think they are one mind and one accord and it never, ever changes. But the Holy Spirit has taken a boat in you and he is, the, he is the place of revelation. He is the one that knows Jesus the best. You know how, why He knows Him? Because He's been with Him since before the foundations of the earth. He was. Now you can't say anything other than that. He is and He always will be. Well, where did He come from? He's God. Period. He's God. And so as we begin to understand that, then we begin to understand that Jesus came to, came to glorify the Father. He said, I came to do the work of the Father. The Holy Spirit came to glorify Jesus. Are you, are you following me? Are you tracking with me? So if we glorify Jesus, and the work of Jesus is to glorify the Father, then the Holy Spirit will be exalted when we glorify Jesus, and when we glorify Jesus, we'll glorify the Father, and that's what we were put in the earth to do. And the only way to do that is to allow the Holy Spirit to have His way within you. Amen. You see, He is not subject to suggestions. We want to make God subject to our suggestions and to our way of thinking. I say this all the time, that we created God in our own likeness and our own image is because we think that God thinks like we think. Don't ask me to say that again. I don't know that I can. Just turn to your neighbor and say, God doesn't think like you. Woo. Let's just, amen, amen. I mean, just think about that. For, for us, how many of you really love a good wilderness experience? God loves the wilderness. God thinks jail is the greatest place, it's the greatest monastery on the planet. You go, God, mm, mm, mm. we could teach you a few things, Father. He said, no, I'm going to teach you a few things. And so he doesn't think the way we think. He doesn't, he doesn't hold on to things. We look at things as tragedies in our life, and God said, quit looking at it from, from, the, from the ground up. Look at it from heaven down. And I'm going to turn your tragedies into triumphs. I'm going to turn your defeats into victories, and I'm going to be glorified. And when I'm glorified and high and lifted up, then all the earth is going to re rejoice because the angels in heaven will be rejoicing because you've been obedient to what I've called you to do. Does that make sense to you this morning? So the Holy Spirit is a person that's come to glorify the Father, and the way He's going to do it is in you and through you. He cho he's chosen to use people. He could act randomly in any way He wanted to, but He doesn't choose to do that. He chooses to do that through you. That makes you pretty important in the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, that makes you very important in the kingdom of God. When God said you're His own special treasure, He meant that you were a treasure. 
He meant for us to understand that we are a treasure. He meant for us to understand that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He meant for us to understand that we are the light that's in the earth today. We are the carriers of the light. And he's saying, empty out the vessels and let me shine. He's calling us to do that. And so we see what Jesus is doing. And then we see that he act, the acts of the person. I'm going to go through these quickly because I, I don't want to teach on them right now. But we know the Holy Spirit teaches. We know he testifies. We know he leads and guides. We know he speaks. Turn to your neighbor and say, he speaks. Tell him again, he speaks. Who many of the church believes he's silent? He speaks, he enlightens, he strives, he commands, he intercedes. He sends workers, he calls, he comforts, and he works. I like the fact the Holy Spirit works. You know what that means, though? If you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, if you're the vessel of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit works, you know what that means for you? You've got to work. You've not been called to sit. You've been called to work. You're not saved by your works. I'm never going to tell you that. Never, never believe that with all my heart. And anything in me believes that. I don't believe that. I only believe that we're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But I want you to know that once I got saved, God said, I got a work for you to do, and your work is to glorify me in whatever way. And so we understand that he does these things. In Luke 3, 16, Jesus, I mean, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water. You know what happens when John baptized them in water? They got wet. But he who is mightier than I is coming, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You know what happens when Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit? What I just said, what happened to, what happened to uh, in John's baptism was you got wet. So when Jesus' baptism, you catch on fire. Ooh, come on now. Come on now. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be on fire than wet. Now, there's still a baptism under repentance, and we understand that, but there's also this baptism that, that that's ignites a passion within us that releases the Godhead within us to glorify His name. And so Jesus said, I come to baptize. I come to baptize in the Holy Spirit. It means to immerse. I, I, I think about my, my grandson, Eddie, when he was about three years old. Eddie loved to go to the swimming pool. Eddie could not swim. Eddie loved the deep end of the pool. Can I tell you, I wish more Christians loved the deep end of the pool. He would go out there, and whether you were watching or you weren't watching, he'd take a run and start, and he'd jump in, and he'd throw both hands up. And his message was, come and get me, because I'm going to the bottom. He's alive today, so I'm glad to tell you every time he jumped in, somebody got him back out. The Holy Spirit looked at it. But you know, that's exactly what he's telling us to do. He said, I want to immerse you. He, covered, he was covered from the tips of his fingers to his toes with water. And hadn't somebody, and had not been able to somebody to bring him out of there, he would have died. He would have drowned right there in that water. But he was going in. Can I tell you something? When we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, he said, I want you to drown in my spirit. He said, well, I'm not going to get into the death of you, but we'll get to that later. He said, I want to immerse you. And so there's this immersion in the Holy Spirit. He said, I want to be on the top of your head. I want to be on the bottom of your feet. I want to be on your hips. See, some of you ladies want to lose all your hips, but the Lord said, the more hips, the more me you got. That's not what the Lord said. I'm lying to you. But it is a good thought anyway. Amen? 
See, I get more of the Holy Ghost than y'all do. No. Lord, I'm repenting. I know. He wants to, he wants to immerse us in that. You see, my Tammy. Wave it everybody, Tammy. Her, her last year, she's, she is a, a, a linguist. This girl picks up on languages like nobody's business. And uh, they're very simple to her. I thought about I thought about Rachel talking about learning thirteen different dances. Listen, I couldn't learn thirteen steps. I didn't take Spanish because I thought it would, was too hard, so I took French. I took French one two times. And all I can say is bon ami. And so but, but in this, her last semester in school, she, was, she went to Mexico. She'd been studying Spanish, and so she went to Mexico. And when she went to Mexico, they, they put her in a house. She stayed in a house with a family. And guess what language they spoke? They were English-speaking, right? No. They only spoke Spanish. They may have known one or two English words, but, but for the most part, they didn't know anything but Spanish. You, you know what that's called? It's called immersion. And when you're immersed in, into a, a culture like that, listen, you catch on quick or you, or you die. You can't, you, if you can't learn how to say, I'm hungry, then you just may not get fed. You understand where I'm coming from. And, and so she was sent in there for a quarter, and, and I think she'll tell you real quick, she learned as much in that quarter as she had in the, in the previous two, I mean semester, as she had in the previous two or three years because that's what she was surrounded with. She began to understand the culture. She began to understand. Now, it's funny to go to a Mexican restaurant with Tammy because sometimes these, these uh, waiters will go to cussing or doing other stuff because they don't think us, we can understand their language. And Tammy's just sitting there just dying laughing. And, and we're going, what does she say? What does they say? What do they say? And she, mm, I can't repeat it. But anyway, so there's just this immersion. Well, when the Holy Spirit says he wants to, when the, Jesus said he wants to baptize you, it means he wants to immerse you in the Holy Spirit. When you get immersed into the Holy Spirit, let me tell you what happens. You come into a whole new culture. Most of the church wants to enter in and carry their culture into the church. And, Bible, and God said, no, 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 you don't understand. I want to bring heaven's culture into you. Amen. Think about that now. He said, I want to bring heaven's culture there. He said, let me tell you what we do in heaven. What do you do in heaven, God? We worship. There's these four and twenty elders. They just look at me. I reveal myself to them. They fall on their faces. The angels begin to sing. There's a dance going on. There's worship that's emanating. He said, I want to, I want to unleash, I want to unleash the, the heavenly worship on the earth through you. He said, I want you to begin to speak the language of heaven. Amen. You know what the language of heaven is? Anybody got any idea what the language is? It's love and faith. I had another one later on, but I'll go ahead because I'm not going to be able to finish this. But it's faith, hope, and love. That's the language of heaven. Wow. Do you know you've not been exposed to that culture until you come into Christ Jesus and are filled with this Holy Spirit? Well, I was loved. Not with God's kind of love. 
Not with what's in heaven. Not with an agape love. The majority of us were raised in performance standard houses. You got acted good, you got blessed. You acted bad, you got whipped. And there's too many houses where there wasn't forgiveness. Too many houses where there was anger, frustration. God said, I want to expose you to a whole different culture. I want to immerse you into the culture of heaven. How many of you want to be exposed to heaven? I've said this a hundred times, but I don't know that anybody's caught on to it yet. The Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man what God has in store for those who love Him. The only problem with that scripture is it doesn't stop there. He says, but I have revealed. Huh? What does that mean? God said, I want to reveal heaven to you. And he's not talking about so that we can die and and go away in the future. He said, I want to bring heaven to earth and you are the connecting point for me. You are the abiding place of the person of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is bringing heaven onto earth through you. You know, we pray all the time. We we sing this song, we're in the heavens and come down. Let me let you in on a secret. He's come down. The Holy Ghost has come down. Jesus has come down. The heavens have been rent. The power of God is here in me and in you. In Acts 1-4, I want to get to one point if I can get to it. Y'all might have to give me an extra five minutes. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. He ordered them. How many know you can be ordered by the Holy Spirit? He ordered them. He said, don't do anything. Now, my personal belief is he ordered about 500 different people to be there. I think only 125 of them were obedient. But the 125 that were obedient were blessed. They were blessed beyond measure because he had the promise waiting for them. The promise, I thought Jesus was the promise. Well, he was. He was. But there was a second promise. There was a second promise. He said, do not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so he said, the promise is you're going to be filled with my Spirit. He said, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to write my laws on your heart. And you're not going to have any need for these things that, that, are, telling, that are putting you in bondage. What you're going to have is a freedom to worship me and to praise me and to submit yourself to me because you and I are going to become one. And he says, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret. He says, I don't change, so expect change to take place in your life. You're going to change. And so he tells us this thing. He says, he's telling his disciples, I'm going to immerse you in the Holy Spirit. I'm going, to, I'm going to take you, and where John drenched you in water, I'm going to drench you in fire. I'm going to drench you in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have, I'm going to have my presence dripping off of you. You know, it, it, it ought to be one of those things where we have a hard time keeping our mouth shut about God. Why are, we, why, are we, why are we willing to share Jesus with, with everybody and everything we meet? Why are we, man, we ought to be testifying to the rocks. 
Why? Because we got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see, the world will offer you anything. My son came off drugs for over a year. And every day for over a year, he was offered more drugs for free than you can count. They wanted to supply him with cocaine. They wanted to supply him with crack. They wanted to supply him with marijuana. They wanted to supply him with ecstasy. They wanted to supply him with everything that you can imagine. And there was no cost to it. The world is not afraid or ashamed to offer you what they have to offer. Back in my day, they'd offer you cigarettes, liquor. They'd do anything. Why aren't we offering people the kingdom of God? Why aren't we saying? Because you see what happens is this immersion, some of us have put the big toe in the, in the water, but we haven't jumped fully into, the, into the, the deep end of the pool. We haven't come into the place to where that we're so consumed with the Holy Ghost of God that we're, it doesn't make any difference. Listen, I drip with Holy Ghost. That's what I want to be. I want to drip with Him. I want to walk around and just oil just pour out of my hand. You know, hey, it's the Holy Ghost. When people walk up to you, they say, what's going on in you? And you say, well, I don't know, but let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you who He is and what He's done. You see, in order to be an effective instrument in the, in the world today, you've got to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. What happened? What, what's the promise? Joel 2.8. Joel 2.28. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Isn't that exactly what Jesus told him? He said, I'm fixing to pour out my Spirit on you. He said, I will pour out all my Spirit and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. God said, I'll take any vessel that will open up to me and I'll fill him with my presence all he's got to do is ask. Making any sense to you today? All he's got to do is ask and believe. He said, I want to, I want to fill you. You see, people don't eat, there are people today don't even believe in prophecy. And yet that is a promise by Jesus Christ. If you believe in the promise of salvation, the promise of prophecy is just as real as your salvation. And you've staked your life on your salvation. And let me tell you something about prophecy, and it's extremely important you understand this. It's not fortune-telling. Sometimes too often today, we've turned it into fortune-telling. It's not here to be a fortune-teller. Prophecy is the revelation of the heart of the Father. If it's not revealing the heart of the Father, it's not prophecy. It's gobbledygook and junk. If it doesn't glorify Jesus, it is not prophecy. So when you receive a prophetic exaltation, confirmation, or correction, you need to see how Jesus is glorified in that word. Notice I said there are three different things there. Because a lot of times when we get corrected, we want to say, that's not God. That's not what the Scripture said. It can be for correction. It can be for, for exaltation. It can be confirmation. Look in Luke 24, 49. Jesus said, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now we're talking about immersed. We're talking about coming inside and being filled. And now he's saying being clothed. And he refers to the Holy Spirit as power. I'll read this to you and then I'm going to quit. It's interesting. 
Then when the upper room was filled, they began to, the Holy Spirit filled, they began to speak in tongues, and the people in the marketplace were able to understand in their own language. One of the things that's going to happen to you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit is you're going to speak the language of the people that are around you. Amen. And I'm not talking about Spanish, and I'm not talking about French, and I'm not talking about German. I'm talking about the language of the heart. You see, the way that the, the, that the young people communicate today is different than the way you and I communicate. And God said, I'm going to anoint you where that you can communicate effectively through the Holy Spirit. The glory of God. I want you to know there is no lack of power in the Holy Spirit. You know how I've heard and I've even said it, I'm guilty of it. Well, there's more miracles done in Haiti than there are in, in Georgia. Well, whose fault is that? They got a better Holy Ghost in Haiti than we have in, in Georgia? John Piper says this, there's as much power this week as there was last week, this year as last or as next. There's as much power in one place as in another, in one country or in one meeting as in another. God's power is undiminished, unchanging, full voltage, maximum wattage, and perfect amperage. God is never half as much with you. The Holy Spirit has, has, is the link between heaven and earth, bringing heaven down to earth. What we receive when we are baptized in the Spirit is the same reality that we would know in heaven. The Holy One of heaven is the Holy One on earth. God manifested supernaturally, divinely, as well as physically. He has come in power and authority, and if there's not power and authority moving our lives, it's not God's fault. It's not the Holy Ghost's fault. There's got to be a deeper surrender in our lives, and there's got to be a greater place for prayer and worship and a release inside of us. we got to let go of what we're holding on to. You see, the disciples let go of everything. Can't see these steps. They let go of everything. They held back nothing. We're not having a blackout. We're not having a brownout. The Holy Spirit isn't shorting out. He's the same God He was on the day of Pentecost. He's the same God that hovered over the earth at creation. He's the same God that will be with us in the everlasting eternity of the heavens. He is with us. Stand to your feet.